0: There has to be a kind of rawness to your circumstances without kind of making it mean something about you. So I think if you can have that way of being, then it's possible to deal with all the mistakes that you're going to make when you embark on a journey like that and do it in a way that doesn't weigh you down, that actually buoys you as you go along, even as you kind of fumble and bumble.
1: If you want a satisfying career and a fulfilling family life, this is the podcast for you. Join me, Joel Lilovich, and me,
2: Lucy Dickens, as we share strategies and advice to help you keep your balls in the air.
1: Welcome to the Juggle Podcast. Hi everyone, it's Joel Lilovich here. And Lucy Dickens, welcome back to the Juggle Podcast. Today we have another juggler interview for you, which we haven't done for a while. No, but we know these are your favorites. So we've reshuffled some of our episodes, the upcoming episodes, so we can move our guest from today in so you can have a bit of juggler fix because like mm. Joe says, we haven't done one for a while. <laughs> and so today's guest is
2: Dr. Gemma Green, and she's the executive chairman and co-founder of Power Ledger. Which, if you're in the energy space or in the tech space, and like a bit of blockchain chain talk, then you've probably heard of Gemma. Um, she started her career a long time ago in in banking in London, and saw a whole lot of um, problems around bringing corporate social responsibility to the business world. And so when she returned to Perth. That was one of the things that was in the back of her mind um, when she started her doctorate in electricity market disruption,
1: which created Power Ledger. As you listen to the interview, it will become far more clear why we have chosen to interview Gemma on the podcast, because... If that in itself doesn't sound like enough work, Gemma also has a lot of other extracurricular activities. She's the expert in residence at Curtin University, helping with the commercialization of technology and the startup ecosystem. She's a member of the Water Corporation Board. She gives regular talks on technology and leadership in business, and she's also a mother of two, and as we found out in the interview, pregnant with baby number three. So she's got a lot
2: going on and, you know, it's always really interesting to talk to women who have a lot going on because they tend to have a few more tips to share about how to manage their juggle. Which Gemma certainly does. Yeah. So enjoy listening to this one. She's um, so lovely and vulnerable and open and honest in the things that she shares and has, you know, a number of practical tips as well. Enjoy. Hi, Gemma. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. In looking at your bio and, of course, doing a bit of a stalk online, it becomes
1: very <laughs> it's obvious. It's research, Jo, not stalking. That just makes it sound weird. <laughs> In researching. In researching. Okay, Lucy, I'll take your, your point here. <laughs>
2: in researching online and of course reading your bio <laughs> it seems that you have more than the average amount of responsibilities in your life i mean there's a lot going on there's the, the business the kids the you know the speaking that you do the board work that you do deputy lord mayor for a while there was a lot going on so I'm wondering, do you consciously sit down and consider each of these things and, and what takes priority for you at different times? Or is it just whatever's calling out the loudest at a different time? How do you handle all these competing things?
0: It's changed in the way that I deal with it over time, even in more recent years. I think that when I first returned to Australia, which was at the end of 2012, I started a PhD and then. I was contemplating, obviously, what I was going to do at the end of that. And I was very much a yes to many kind of offers, invitations and requests. And then I got on a board of fossil fuel free superannuation fund. And then I ran for council and eventually became the deputy Lord Mayor. That was a bit by accident. But then I fell pregnant unexpectedly. And I realised there was a big collision going on with too many things happening at once Mm. and that I needed to be more discerning uh, and say no to more things. And so it was actually a big learning curve for me of taking on too much. And also in my pregnancy, I was extremely sick the whole time. It was just not a good overall situation. And I think the lesson for me and why I said in my beginning of answer to this question was it's changed, is that... I'm trying to be far more discerning around what I say yes to and saying no to far more things. And my focus has distilled down to power ledger and one board now. And and that, I think, is a far more manageable situation. And I'm really able to give my best to those things and make sure that I can be responsible for them in the biggest sense of the word.
1: In preparing for this interview, you sent us a couple of comments, and one of the phrases that you used was "loosely organised chaos," and that made me smile. I liked that because I feel like that probably describes my life a lot of the time too. So, do you think that's what you've come to? You've kind of organised a bit of
0: the chaos. Well, I think that it felt more chaotic than it before that like than it in tw- you know two years ago than it did now. But you have to have a great support base of people around you, like your leadership team your key support staff so in my case it's my office manager Marie who I just she's just amazing at keeping things organized and also giving me feedback on I don't think you should do that and here's why and Mm -hmm. really kind of having her as a sounding board and then nobody an accountability buddy
1: for saying no is that what she's doing?
0: Yeah exactly and my family of course my husband and my mom and also I have nanny that helps me look after the children as well and I think that you need to have those people like lockstep with you and what you're doing otherwise it's just unworkable and unmanageable and I'm very fortunate that I've got that set up so that people are looking out for me as well as me being able to kind of go out there in the world and do stuff so I think that that is an important element of it as well because when you take on more responsibilities invariably it means that you are not doing everything yourself but other people are doing them under, like in, in partnership with you but you're ultimately accountable for them and so you've got to understand how to be responsible for things that you're not personally doing as well and so that requires yeah a level of partnership and alignment around outcomes and dealing with a lot of circumstances that you personally haven't been doing yourself but are ultimately responsible for.
2: I totally hear you. And I'm yay, yay, yay when I hear all those things and and having people share their stories of support networks, because I think yeah. that, you know, none of us can really do it on our own. All of these different things that we're trying to do as professional women, while still having really great family lives. So did you find that you kind of had your pregnancy and then just knew straight away, I'm going to have to put in place these support networks and grabbed your people straight up? Or was it more a case of adding to your network as and when you needed to, and and also being able to let go? Because sometimes it's, I found, it's been difficult to let go of certain things until I've realized, oh, this person can actually help me. They like doing it. And it's, it's better for all of us when they're part of the group.
0: I mean, I think that I've had these people in my life for a while, but the way that we work together has changed. And Mm -hmm. so the setup around that has become more around partnership and really making sure that, you know, I don't take on too much, that what Mm -hmm. I do do, I do to a standard that I'm really proud of and satisfied with, that I carve out space for myself. That's another thing. There is a mechanism where I'm sort of checking in on, on what, you know, how am I tracking overall? But just because you've got people in your life doesn't mean that you're necessarily supporting each other in the way that is really optimal. So I think you've got to kind of cultivate that way of operating together and really prioritise that as a thing. I mean, you can do so much as an individual and lots of people just focus on their own activities. And that's obviously a perfectly valid Choice, but in my case with Power Ledger, we want to make an impact to the lives of a billion people globally, and so that involves partnerships and working with others and cultivating relationships with people that are up to similar things to achieve those outcomes. So it necessitates a different way of operating to achieve that and make it work.
2: Do you find in all of these partnerships that you're doing that you're putting your family to the forefront of them so does your family come into some of those partnership discussions when it comes to work
0: well when I'm speaking about partnerships I'm really speaking in the context of power ledger and the clients that we've got and the way that we set those up but my family is certainly uh like front and center I've traveled with both of my two children extensively I've probably done 50 business trips since Mm. I first had my first child in at the end of 2015. Mm -hmm. or with my kids on the trips with me and that was because I was breastfeeding them and I wanted to continue to do that and also I didn't want to be away from them that was another Mm -hmm. thing so I think that that's necessitated you know coordinating with my family around how these things are going to work I didn't expect to want to talk about this but with the things that are going on in the world with reduced travel Mm. that I think is actually going to push people to move things ahead commercially without necessarily having to travel as much. And I actually think that's a good thing. Yeah, we all want to be in front of people, but the impact of that is more flying and three days out of the office instead of a few hours on a Zoom call. And so I think that it will kind of force the issue around more productive ways to build rapport and relationships with people in other countries as well. So I think that could be a kind of positive byproduct of the circumstances that we find ourselves in right now.
1: Mm, That's an interesting observation. But I'm still blown away that you've had 50 trips traveling with small children. I've probably had... I don't know, five, maybe in four years, probably not even five and they're hard work. It's hard. It's tiring, especially when you've got you know, tiny babies who you're breastfeeding and you're trying to look after a baby and engage in whatever it is that you're there to do. And you're away from home. So you haven't got your comforts around you. That's challenging and it's really, really tiring. So what are your tips to make
0: that a success? Don't do that. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Just do it by Zoom instead. Yeah. <laughs> um. I turned 41 this year. I was 36 when I had my daughter, Emily, who's now four. And I am seven months pregnant with a third child. Congratulations. Congratulations. Doing June. But I was looking back on all that going, I don't think I'm going to do that with this child. <laughs> yes. I, I actually went, what was I thinking? And the thought of doing it makes me feel tired right now, but um, yes. <laughs> somehow I just did it at the time. Uh, you know, it's probably amazing what being four and a half years older does to your kind of perspective on what is, you know, what you have the energy to
1: contemplate.
0: Yeah. But I think you've just got to know at that time I was able to do it. I don't think I will do that with this third child also, leaving two children behind
2: yes. that
0: amount of day. A different so dynamic. Yeah. I think that, yeah, it's a different dynamic and a different situation. But I got, when I did have to go, like I did go to America in October of 2018 and to Caribbean and I took my husband and my daughter and a three-month-old baby because I wasn't going to go with a three-month-old baby on that trip and I did need to do that trip so we all went together. And I Mm -hmm. think in those cases then you need to engage your whole family on on going on that. that, Since then I haven't had another one of those sort Uh. of pop up. And, you know, I have staff who are able to travel, you know, notwithstanding current travel restrictions but, you know, willing to. And they're really up for, in many cases, the opportunities associated with that. So, and it's a great, Send thing someone else. To, you know, step up and be trained yes. in dealing with other markets. And I think particularly for people in Perth, where, you know, if you're in London, it's often that you'll get international travel with, mm. your, with your professional jobs, whereas in Perth, less common. So it's quite an exciting proposition for younger people to be able mm. to go on business trips. Mm -hmm.
2: Absolutely. When you're engaging your whole family and and you've got this great support network, how are you managing to to put some boundaries in place? Or do you believe that
0: boundaries are meant to be flexible? Well, you definitely need some space for yourself. And I don't really like this concept of me time, but I think you do need to be able to still have a place where you can do the things, maybe to a lesser extent than you did before you had kids and a business, but to take care of your own personal needs and interests and things like that. And so that might, you know, you might need to go get your hair done or, I don't know, go to a movie with a girlfriend or, you know, whatever the thing is. But I think that if you don't prioritise that, very quickly you can feel drowned and overwhelmed by, like, people being at you all the time. Yes. If you don't have that space for for yourself, you feel, yeah, you can feel inundated, I would say is the best way to describe it. I think I have previously done a very poor job at crafting out that space and been left with that feeling, but that's something that I've really been working on as well, really to be of the most service to the projects that I'm working on because if I hadn't been recharged and got my game hat on, so it's kind of like, you know, what they say on the aeroplane, you know, put your own mask on (laughs) first.
2: This episode is brought to you by us, Managing the Juggle, We want to ensure more women feel like they're living the dream of a successful career and a fulfilling family life. If this message resonates with you, then get in touch to find out how we can be booked to speak at your next event or conference or in-house with your organisation. For more information, visit our website and go to the link www.thejuggle.com.au forward slash speak.
1: So how do you do it? Does that look like booking space out in your calendar? Is that how it works for you?
0: Yeah, absolutely. If it's during the week, yeah, or on the weekends, you know, to arrange that with my husband or my mom in terms of I'm going to go do this. The children can be obviously well taken care of while you know, I'm doing my thing. And I think and it's the same for my husband. He needs that time too. And absolutely. so I'm totally up for making that space for him because if, if neither of you have it, you can feel depleted
2: yeah so true. And now you're obviously a very career driven person, as are you know both of us and a lot of people that listen to us on this podcast. So one of the issues that we hear a lot of times from women is, I don't really want to have kids because it's going to
0: impact on my career.
2: Is that something that you were worried about?
0: Yeah. You're asking really good questions today, I have to say. Yes, it was (laughs) something that affected me greatly. (laughs) I had my first child, Amelie. The decision behind it was really, I thought maybe I might regret it when I'm older, but I wasn't really maternal or clucky or into kids. Mm. And as I was getting more and more pregnant with her, I thought, this is a mistake this is going to be like an atomic bomb in my life what was I thinking and my family who also were quite conscious that I wasn't a particularly maternal person at that time at least they were joking going I wonder if Gemma's going to look after the child properly that would have helped (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah yeah family's good like that um, (laughs) when she was born All the hormones obviously worked and I just fell deeply in love with her instantly and went, Mm. motherhood's the best thing ever. Why didn't I do this sooner? Mm. It was as much like the joy of that experience but the relief of actually having it that I went, oh, I am capable of these kind of feelings towards babies because they had just been a kind of baffling thing to me beforehand. But, yeah, I'm obviously going to have three children now and I I love being a mum. So many people said, you know, your life is going to change and can't do what you're doing. And that kind of retaliative response welled up inside me and was like, I'm going to show you. Yeah, my life (laughs) was like yours. And my kids are really getting a whole range of experiences that I had just had no exposure to as a child. Like my daughter would would come on trips with me. She would like do the check-in process at the counter at the airport. When we get to the hotel... She would ask for the swipe card, swipe her way into the room, pick up the phone and say, burger and chips. Um, (laughs) This is at, you know, two years old. So she understands the concept of business and even like my husband said to her the other day, something like, oh, you know, we're not going to spend money on that. And she said, you should just work more. (laughs) (laughs) She's actually connected the dots between that's how it works and she's got quite a sophisticated understanding of the world uh, you know to the extent where she'll be like can you please order me that on eBay mummy but it's a completely different upbringing to the one that I had but I think it'll enrich them in ways that their understanding of the world will be far more complete than the one that I and like I remember when I was 12 years old. I didn't understand the difference between continents and countries and Mm -hmm. states and territories. But these are things that are just automatic for her. But in terms of the mum thing, to go back to your original question, I'm sorry I've drifted off a bit. Yeah, it was something that I was very anxious about. And yeah, the decision behind it was the first child was very different to the decision behind having a second child and and a third one. But I think they enriched my life obviously in the obvious ways, but also that discernment thing that I mentioned before, I just don't faff around and procrastinate mm. and also I, I am very much clearer around what is important and what doesn't need to be done because you just don't have the time to do stuff unless it really needs to be done or done by you. So yes. I think that they teach you another skill but yeah you've got to make time for these small people in your life as well as you know the Family and friends. And I think that the dance around all of that is the kind of constant kind of challenge and game that people in your life, even if the nature and shape of your relationship changes, that they still feel revered by you and that you're important to them and they're important to you.
1: I love your honesty in answering that question, especially saying, you know, it was a concern for you having your first child and you kind of to some extent thought, well, I regret this if I don't do it now because. It's so easy to look at other people's lives and think, oh, you know, everything's just perfect for them. But I think it's really important for us to have those sometimes uncomfortable conversations. Nobody wants to say, like me, my first child was Lily's pregnancy was not planned. And for a while I didn't want to tell anyone that because what would they think of me? And then I realized that actually this is actually far more common (laughs) than you think. And it helps other people so much more by just being honest and saying, yeah, sometimes this is quite hard and not actually you know, I don't enjoy it very much, but it's all worth it in the end. And if we know what's important to us, like you've said, and get our support network in place that we can make it work and we can get through those challenging times.
0: Yeah. You don't have to be an island and give up every bit of yourself to have a child and, Mm. and your child will be better for it.
2: Absolutely. So one of the things that is really obvious is that you're working in a male-dominated industry. You've got tech, you've got energy, and there's a whole lot of men there. And yet you're a mum and you're at the top of your game with your business power ledger and you're having another baby. So have you felt that being female, being a mum and those things has kind of been an added challenge? And, and how have you dealt with it if, if you have felt that way?
0: Uh Yeah, I think it is an added challenge in the sense of where you've got couples where both are working, if you look at the research, women tend to still do the majority of the tasks in the household that support the children in the household. So often what you'll see is women not having the big job and the husband having the big job or two people not doing a big job at the same time and they're doing a tag team around it. But If it's the woman's taking a back step on her career at some point, then, okay, managing those household and children's activities is perfectly fine. But in the other cases, there needs to be an alignment around sharing those other activities. Otherwise, there's no space.
2: Yes. Mm.
0: I think that's something that even in the most emancipated contemporary relationships with the best intentions, people model how they live in their lives based on what their own mm-hmm. families look like in their own yes. childhood. And so it does require kind of getting a, a agreement around what that looks like in practice. These are the things that I'm going to do. These are the things that you're going to do. We'll revisit it in this amount of time. It sounds banal and annoying, but if you don't do that, then you kind of don't feel supported and there's resentment that can build up. So I think that's just a practical matter that you have to deal with to be able to have a big job as a woman and also have kids at the same time. And what about from the other side? I I imagine that in my case, I'm a pain in the butt. (laughs) (laughs)
1: No, I meant the employment side, as in, um, so that's how you manage the home situation, the family situation. But what about within the workplace? Have you faced any discrimination or seen any discrimination as a result of being um, female in male dominated industries? Or has that not been something that's affected you?
0: Yeah. So in terms of, being in a male-dominated sector or sectors and whether that's had a negative impact on me, I haven't experienced it that way. I mean, I've certainly had comments made here and there which have made me kind of raise my eyebrows and just wonder what goes on in that, you know, that yeah. person's marriage. <laughs> but I love to be a fly on the wall when you say things like that on a daily basis to other people. But generally, it's not really something I think about all that much, to be honest with you. If I come across these kinds of things in terms of other people dealing with my female staff in that way, I'm far more likely to get wound up about that than if mm-hmm. it's directly to me. And my feeling about that generally, when directed at me, is back to that retaliative response of, you know, I, thanks for your patronising comments, I will show you. Yeah, I will show you.
1: I like yeah. it. So am I sensing a bit of a mantra? We like to ask our guests if they have a mantra that kind of is a common theme in their life. Is that yours? Have I just made that, put those words into your mouth? Uh, yeah.
0: Yeah, I think, I think that there's probably a theme of that going on. <laughs> I think it's
2: probably good is there anything else? Is there anything that you sort of say to yourself on a daily basis? You know, this is how I keep going. There's a little
0: graph, diagram, like a cartoon which says life as an entrepreneur. If you Google it, you can have a look. And it it's like a graph that goes zigzags up and down. Oh, yes. I know oh. the one. Yep. And I think that that is such a good – I actually look at that graph for every few weeks going – It literally is that experience. And you have to have a fair amount of resilience to deal with that. It's not for everybody. That roller coaster can be too emotionally draining for many. I would say that the circumstances that I have dealt with in more recent years of my life were really good training for building resilience (laughs) on the other side of them. And that all the circumstances that I find myself in now, I have a far more nuanced view of how emotionally how I'm going to react to them and let alone strategically what I'm going to do about them so I think that what I would call the kind of all the stuff going on and the white noise associated with it as a pulse and then you've got to have like a signal that goes underneath that which is the way you're going to approach the circumstances and yeah you need to have quite a good reserve within yourself to be able to cultivate that and Mm, maintain it absolutely so
2: one final question to finish up, if we can. What is the one piece of advice that you would give to another professional woman who is trying to manage this juggle of career and family? Oh,
0: to be able to acknowledge that you messed up about something without telling yourself that you're a mess and to practise things like regret without falling into an abyss and to take responsibility for things without blaming yourself. and to be able to address elephants in the room. So to apologise for making a mistake instead of just hoping that everyone will move on. So I think that there has to be a kind of rawness to your circumstances without kind of making it mean something about you. So I think if you can have that way of being, then it's possible to deal with all the mistakes that you're going to make when you embark on a journey like that and do it in a way that doesn't weigh you down, that actually buoys you as you go along even as you kind of fumble and bumble.
2: Mm, I love that. The immediate thing it makes me think of is, you know, we hear this expression that is probably overused, you know, be kind to yourself or, you know, there's, there's a lot of Brené Brown dealing with shame and vulnerability, but you've expressed that in a really beautiful way that I think a yeah. lot of people will resonate with and, and see it in a different light. So thank you. That was great. My pleasure. Thank so, you so much for joining
1: us, Gemma. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. I'm sure like us, you probably love that advice from the end that was shared with us. Yeah, I loved it. I thought
2: it was just a really lovely way of describing something we've heard before in different ways.
1: Yeah. And really practical as well. So thank you, Gemma. I reckon we'll be using that advice into the future as well. So that's all from us today. If you enjoyed this episode, then
2: you should go over and subscribe on wherever you like to listen to podcasts. And don't forget to leave
1: us a rating and review so that other people can find the show. We'd also love you to come and join us in our Facebook community. You can find us on Facebook at The Juggle Community and find all our links and all our past episodes at thejuggle.com.au. See you next time, everyone. Happy juggling.